Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 595 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Piller, up in the Blue Mountains. Ross Levitan still away on vacation somewhere in the Mediterranean these days, but he will be joining me for segment two and three of this episode as we break down both of our final rankings list. We debate why each other has someone too high, too low, and our reasoning for where we put them. So this is your final prep for the 2022 NHL draft. It is tomorrow, guys. It is happening for real here. And Pierre Dorian spoke on TSN 1200 about that today. Says there's about a 50-50 chance that he keeps the pick or trades it. There's a couple of irons in the fire, as he said. And I'll get into more of what Pierre Dorian talked about. And also... Colin White is no longer a member of the Ottawa Senators as he's been put on waivers for the purpose of a buyout, something we all saw coming, but it does suck to see Whitey leave nonetheless. That's what we've got on tap for today's episode of the Locked On Senators podcast. Here we go. Today is Wednesday, July 6th. Thank you for making the Locked On Podcast your first listen or watch of the day. We're available on all audio podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download your podcast, you can find us. And we're on YouTube. So if you want to help us grow as a show, real simple, guys, just give us a like, quick thumbs up, never hurt anybody. Be a friend, tell a friend to subscribe to the Locked On Senators Podcast YouTube channel and leave a comment below and I'll discuss what comment we'll be leaving later on in this episode because first off, Pierre Dorian has spoken to TSN 1200 just moments ago before I started recording, wanted to make sure I got that in the episode and there's a couple of interesting things he mentions, like I said off the top. Probably the biggest one is that he put the odds at a 50-50 chance that the Senators either keep the pick or end up trading it tomorrow. I'm talking about the seventh overall pick in the first round, and that's very interesting. Now, I'm not sure if he's doing that. Uh, I know Pierre Dorian says he doesn't negotiate through the media, but maybe he's doing that a little bit just to kind of raise uh, interest from everyone listening, or... Maybe there is a couple of irons in the fire that are really cooking in. Maybe there is a good chance that the Ottawa Senators do have a couple of juicy trades on the table with the seventh overall pick involved. And I think since fans are kind of split on Twitter, it seems like uh, there's a group of people that are all for the Ottawa Senators using the seventh overall pick to acquire a veteran talent, whether that's a top six forward or a right shot defenseman. I would be down for that, definitely. I think it's about time the Senators, they don't need to add more to their prospect pool and they need to find ways to get those veteran guys onto their team. We saw the LA Kings, they used their first round pick, mind you, 19th overall, a little bit different than 7th overall, but they used that as a leverage to get Kevin Fiala and it worked out great for them. I can see the Ottawa Senators trying to do a similar thing. But on the flip side, 
Ross and I have done so much work, extensive research on a lot of prospects. We've done prospect profiles for our top 64 ranked players. Go check out those videos if you haven't already. You can catch up on any of the guys we profiled, usually about a 10-minute video uh, discussing each player, what we like, what we don't like, why we see them as a fit for the Sens or not. And We've done a four-hour-long mock draft. So for the Sens to just go and trade that seventh overall pick would uh, would be kind of funny. Not that it would make our, our research and content a waste because we had fun looking at all these guys. And now we can understand the draft as a whole a lot better. But there would be some irony there. And I do think, I still do think, that some players at seventh overall, you're looking at Joachim Kamel's, your Cutter Gauthier's. And there's a lot of mock drafts and rumors that have David Yerchek falling all the way to the centers at seventh. If you have an opportunity to draft either of those three guys, I would have no issue whatsoever with the Senators keeping that pick. Now, it is the Ottawa Senators, so those three guys I just talked about probably aren't on their radar at all, and they'll end up drafting someone we've never even heard of and have to scramble to Google search before we put out a video talking about it. But that's why the NHL draft is exciting, and that's why it's exciting to follow along the Ottawa Senators. Never a dull day in Sens land. And there's lots of other things Pierre Dorian talked about. Obviously, uh, the buyout of Colin White, and we'll get to that later. But some of the other things I thought were interesting is he said they're still looking to add to hockey operations, which is good to hear him say. They did name two new uh, assistant general managers in Trent Mann being promoted from within and Ryan Bonus from Pittsburgh coming over to be the assistant general manager and take over Belleville and do a lot of contract work. So that's definitely a plus. But I did think it was kind of funny when Dorian was saying, uh, yeah, we're going to add more, but we don't want to get too big here because then people feel like their voices aren't being heard. And yeah, I mean, that's a fair statement. But when you have a team as small as the Ottawa Senators, I don't think uh, Trent Mann is uh, worried that his voice won't be heard or something like that. So that was a bit of a funny uh, cover up from Pierre there. Like, hey, we don't want to hire too many people here, but definitely they could use some more help in the front office. That's for sure. Um they quickly got into talks about uh, some of the RFAs. Most notably, there are progressive, I'm using air quotations there, progressive talks with Josh Norris. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes. I really think that's something that needs to get done first and foremost. They have initial talks with Alex Formanton. He mentioned that uh, Branstrom has the same agent as Norris. So naturally, they've been in talks with Branstrom about his deal. And uh, with Mathieu Joseph, they're trying to work on those because uh, there are arbitration possibilities there. And now, as far as um, the draft goes, Dorian said he's he got a new haircut in Montreal, so he's going to be looking fresh for the draft, look good, draft good. Hopefully, that's the process here for the Ottawa Senators. Now, let's get to the um, – oh, well, I don't want to pass over the Matt Murray discussion, too. Matt Murray, they did say that uh, it was their decision not to play him at the end of the season. He was – they felt he could have been ready, but what was the point at that uh, point in time in the season, which is fair. No reason to put him out there. There and maybe um, re-injure himself and make for a longer offseason. And he got new equipment. I know Ross would definitely want to mention. Hopefully he got some uh, designs on that equipment, not just an all-white setup. You got to look good, play good. Maybe he can hit up our guy Shifty, the guy that does all the work for Joey Decord's uh, equipment, because Shifty definitely could uh, hook him up with something that's looking a little more stylish than what he's done in the past. And uh, yeah, he's got new equipment. He's going to be going on the ice. So it's good to hear Matt Murray is uh, progressing here as 
Pierre Dorian, adamant that they will go with three goalies next season. We'll see how that goes. Um, and then finally, the big news of yesterday. Of course, the news comes out right after I'm done posting the pod. Colin White has been bought out by the Ottawa Senators. Now, like I mentioned, this is something that I think everyone was aware was going to happen. His play had really declined over the last couple of seasons. I mean, you look at the point totals. You've got 10 last year in 24 games, 18 in 45 games, 23 in 61. And that leads up to his full season in 2018-2019 when he had 41 points and ultimately got him that big contract that he was bought out of just yesterday. And look, you got to give props to Whitey because he was the first one to really believe in this group. He signed a long-term deal when no one was signing deals in Ottawa. They were being shipped out of town. He signed a six-year, $28.5 million deal in 2019, and that had a 4.75 AAV attached to it. But we all know when Mark Stone got traded, Colin White just was not fitting in with the Ottawa Senators anymore. And I mean, fair, like when you get to play with a guy like Mark Stone and then he shipped out of town and you got to find new line mates on a rebuilding team, it's not going to be easy to have the same type of success as he did with a great player like Mark Stone and Brady Kachuk on his lines. Then he had a lot of health issues, injuries. He was banged up a lot of the time, even when... He was playing. It was obvious he wasn't 100% healthy. You could tell he's a little bit slower out there and uh, things weren't just really clicking for him. And then that shoulder injury really affected things. And the thing we need to realize here is the fact that due to his age, the buyout was at one third's cost instead of two thirds. It made this a no brainer. Like I, I really think that there was rumors that Montreal was looking at Colin White in a trade and there was other teams interested. Like, the Senators would have had to retain a bunch of salary, probably still sweeten the deal, and that's just to get uh, get out from under that contract. Much better option to, to buy it out at one-third of the cost because, look, the Sens are going to have a cap hit of $875,000 a year. That's like an entry-level contract, and sure, it goes to 2028, so that's a long time, six years of that hit, but... When it's just an entry level contract each year, it's not that big. You're like you're not even really going to notice it. And actually, not a math guy, so I don't fully understand how this happens. But in 2024-25, the Sens are going to get a $625,000 cap credit. So they're saving money, that's for sure. And when you're talking about saving money, the total amount that they save is $10.5 million. So... It's a lot of money to be saved on a guy. Like, where did we see Colin White fitting in here? Like, he bottom six at best. Like, I wouldn't even say a middle six forward. Was he a winger? Was he a centerman? And there's all these talks about Colin White being a 200-foot player. But as Ian Mendez mentioned in his article, and go check that out at The Athletic, he never killed penalties, hardly at all. Shane Pinto has more uh, penalty-killing minutes than Colin White did. And... It just seemed like they never found a way to utilize him. DJ Smith notoriously scratched him for four or five games starting uh, that uh, COVID season, the shortened season, and he was sitting in the press box. And 
there just wasn't a fit for Whitey. Now, I think this is going to be a move that players understand. You're going to hear, uh, if players were being interviewed about it, you're going to hear a lot of, we understand it's a business, uh, et cetera. But Whitey was a beloved guy in the locker room. And you could tell, like, he was a goofy guy. He always uh, had the guys staying loose. Thomas Shabbat talks about him at length about uh, how great he is in the locker room. Shane Pinto, they were both recovering from injury at the same time, so they spent a lot of time together. He mentions how Whitey was a big part of keeping him going and keeping him motivated, and they had a lot of good times together. There's the rat rink uh, reference where he obviously meant to say I'm a rink rat, but instead says he's a rat rink, so that's just just classic Whitey. There was the uh, press conference of him talking about how with his shoulder injury, he had uh, a little bit of troubles in the, the bathroom, which was hilarious to watch because he was so nervous checking over at the PR guy like, hey, am I allowed to say this? Like, this is just legit what happened. And uh, it just made for a funny moment. And I think everyone can see that Whitey's a great guy. But at that contract for a, a couple more years remaining, like that was really going to handcuff the Ottawa Senators, especially when you look at what's Josh Norris's next deal going to be. Tim Stutzler is going to be looking for a contract. Alex Formanton, Matthew Joseph, Jake Sanderson is going to be off his entry level contract. Like there's so many um, other guys that will need to take up that cap space that need needed White to be moved out for that to happen. And Barry Dorian mentioned it. When they had the likes of Shane Pinto, uh, Mark Kastlick, so guys that have already put time in the NHL and have succeeded in their roles as third and fourth line centers respectively, um, respectively, that's another reason why they were like, okay, we're able to move on from Whitey here. Even in on the right wing, there was there was players that were kind of boosting him out of his spot, and there just wasn't a fit for Colin White anymore. Uh, also, what got to throw in his headbutt goal, that was an all-time moment. So there was a lot of great moments for Colin White, but this buyout, the writing was on the wall, and it needed to happen. The Senators ultimately are going to save $10.5 million dollars and uh, it's going to cost them $875,000 a year until 2028. So it made a lot of sense financially for the Ottawa Centers to make this move. And if you're looking to make a lot of sense financially for your sports betting, there's one spot you got to go. It's the trusted online sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network, and it is betonline.net. Look, Hockey may be over, congrats to the Avs. Basketball over, congrats to the Golden State Warriors. But there's still a lot of sports action going on. And from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, if you're going to be betting, betonline.net is your number one spot. It's the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. You can bet on boxing, UFC, golf, and baseball as well. So all the things that are happening right now, get in on that action. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Guys, it's betonline.net where the game starts. And now I'll throw it over to myself and Ross Levitan for our final draft ranking. So this is one I would definitely recommend if you have the time watch on YouTube because you can watch us going through our list and see where we're at. It's a little bit easier to follow along. But you guys know me. I do try to help out for the listeners and uh, mention where we are uh, so the people listening just through audio can follow along as well. But this was a really fun exercise, honestly. We did this on a Sunday uh, afternoon, just something extra that we wanted to be able to throw in as uh, 
prep for the draft and uh, extra content for while Ross is away. And we kind of uh, put put each other up to the task. You're saying, okay, you, you had this guy this high. What was the reason you had him ahead of these guys? Or why do you think he deserves to be in this tier with this group of players and so on and so forth. And we go back and forth with each other, which, hey, after doing a podcast on my own for about a week and a half here, I would love to uh, have Ross back to go back and forth with. But I think I'm doing an all right job holding down the ship on my own. But it was great to uh, kind of take one final look at all the prospects, the guys we love, the guys we hate, and uh, go over why we think they're such a fit in our spots and our rankings. So, Enjoy our final draft rankings for myself and Ross Levitin. Here it is. All right, Pillsy, we are back with our final draft rankings. Over the last month, we've counted down based on others' lists, but over that period, we've also learned ourselves a fair bit about these players, and we hope you have too. But Pillsy, how different is your list from the aggregated one that we already put out? I would say it's very similar. Like I used our aggregated list as kind of a guideline. Like, okay, these guys should be in this range, especially when you look at the fact that our list is a combination average of seven other lists. It gives you a pretty good idea of where the general consensus of those players should be ranked. So that's what I used to help me find out uh, where they should be ranked. And then I'll be honest, I uh, tossed in a splash of my own personal biases up and down the lineup, and you can definitely see those. That, but hey, it's my ranking, so what What do you want to tell me? Get mad at my list, go ahead. But um, I, I would say it's fairly similar. Like There's a couple risers, a couple fallers, but it reflects our list for sure. Funny enough, and we're going to pull it up, so this is a perfect episode to throw up on YouTube, where we hope you're subscribed to Locked On Senators. It's just going to shoot to the moon is our goal to get as as much as we can here going into next season and really hit the ground running after this draft period, free agency and all that. But this is a great episode for that because, shocker, I made a chart. And that way, we're going to do the share screen, so we're going to be able to go through this list and have a little bit of visual help to kind of go so it's not so jumbled. But if you're just listening to this, of course, you're driving in the car, you will, we'll make sure that it's it's good for you guys as well. So funny enough, we're going to start with the top eight. So we're going to get to where the Senators selected. I put a little bit of what I hope the Senators do. So I put a little bit of extra emphasis on wingers and right shot defensemen, just because I feel like that's where the Senators should go at the top end of the draft. But funny enough, Bilzi, in our top eight, We have six in the exact same spot and then two separate areas. We flip one spot in each one. So without further ado, let's read through the first overall pick. Pilsy, I'll let you present this one because it's the same for both of us. Yeah, I mean, we both went with Shane Wright. You could make arguments for the people we have at two and three, but I, I feel like a lot of that is just galaxy brain thinking. He's the best player in this draft. Let's just uh, agree to settle on that. Yeah, I don't think we have to spend too much time. Of course, you can go see our player profile on Shane Wright, where he spent 15 minutes dissecting his game, what he does great, what he still needs to work on, and why he's in a position where some scouts are unsure of if he should go in the first overall position. And there's some late risers, and I think your second overall pick, Pilsy, is just that from a guy who at the start of the year, you're saying top 10 pick, and now top three. Yeah, I've got uh, Uri Slavkovsky at number two. Again, this is my bias. I love power forwards. He is your your typical power forward. He already has experience playing up against men. He has a pro frame already. I think he's one of the more NHL-ready guys in this 
uh, ranking, especially considering the fact he's going to go to a rebuilding team and he's going to be able to jump up that lineup pretty quickly. So I like Slavkovsky a lot. He popped off in clutch moments when he needed to. He's internationally, he was an absolute stud. So Slavkovsky is number two for me. I have Slavkovsky at three. I decided to go with Logan Cooley at two. I just love the dynamic uh, ability that he brings in his game. And he might need a year, maybe even two, at the University of Minnesota. Big Ten Conference is where he's going to be playing at least next year. But I think it might even be two years. But he's a guy who I don't think will ever ride the bus at the AHL level. When he's ready, he's going to come into the NHL. I think a, a very similar trajectory, maybe not so much stylistically. I'd say Cooley's a little bit more offensive. But just like Matty Beneers last year. Get drafted, go to school, produce there right away. I expect him to be on the top line with Matthew Nyes and really contributing with Minnesota, but I think this kid, sky's the limit. I think that maybe he'll bring a little bit more offense than Slavkovsky, and if you're Slavkovsky's team, the one who picks him, you're probably saying, oh, that's cool, because he's going to do more in terms of grinding down low, yeah. but I think Logan Cooley is the type of game-breaker who can really, like, open up a game and uh, that's why I have him as a dynamic skilled player at number two but after that Pilsy we, we pretty much have the, the next three all in spades yeah I would be shocked uh, if especially four and five are any different than how we have them although uh, the mock draft uh, if we're talking mock draft I still think Nemich might fit into Seattle's plans yep. a little bit better but as far as rankings go this is probably how it's going to go and then uh, well this cut- is this is where I switched from our process because initially just from being an outsider and not really having much meat uh, to chew on, whether or not I, I preferred your check or Nemec, I was team Nemec and maybe it's my right. Slovak bias. You know, I, I got my best buddy uh, growing up Slovakian, you know, some history there, got to visit the country a bunch. So there is a little inherent bias there, but after really diving into your game, you talk about Slavkowski. I think the defensive version of Slavkowski in this draft, is David, your in terms of, his ETA to the NHL, it ain't going to be long. I think probably, I'd say one year away, but again, he's a guy who I think just has that pro style, pro frame, and he'll be able to settle in. What was the separating factor for you between these guys? It was just the fact that Yerchek can can do it all. Like Nemich is, is very good offensively, but he's still got a bit of work to do defensively. Not to say he's bad defensively, but... I would put Yerchek uh, much farther ahead in that aspect. And I think if you give Yerchek a, a chance to kind of blossom offensively a little bit more, like I think Nemec had the uh, opportunity to do, I think he can catch up offensively. But I wouldn't, if, if you had it flipped, Ross, I wouldn't be here uh, going Stephen A. Smith debate mode on you here because uh, that's definitely acceptable. What? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that you're, you're right on with that. Like you probably give the edge to Nemec as a skater, just in terms of his four-way yeah. mobility and, and what he brings as a straight line skater as well. But when you're looking at pretty much everything else, I'd say very slight edge, even offensively, like they're different. Like, Nemec uses his skating in the offensive zone to create open gaps and find teammates, whereas Juracek just has a bomb of a shot from the point that he gets off as often as he can. So I think it's extremely close. I wish I could put 4A, 4B type thing. And we will not be upset at the Kraken. Or, you know what would make the draft really fun is if Arizona likes one of these defensemen and takes them at third overall. But again, this is not a mock draft. This is who we think the best players of this draft are going to be three, four, five years down the road. So it's a toss up, but it's pretty cool because they've got a bit of a rivalry. Remember at the combine, they were both saying like, no, I'm the best. No, I'm the best. And 
it's like a Canada US thing, a Finland Sweden thing, the Czechia Slovaks, you know, they border each other. They used to be the same country up until the uh the early 90s late late 80s. So that, that's going to be a fantastic aspect of the draft to watch is who goes first between Jurecek and Nemec. Then we both have Cutter Gautier, 6, which is one spot ahead of the Senators, which is why we'd be so high on the Sens getting him if he were to be there at seven. But Cutter Gauthier, I mean, what's there more to say about his rise in draft stock and what he's just been able to do? You just think if he continues this trajectory, we could be looking back at this draft class as him being a top five talent. Yeah, and we talk about Slavkovsky as being a great power forward. Cutter Gauthier is right in that realm with Slavkovsky as far as uh, forwards go. It's just the other guys ahead of them, those are premium positions and they're ultimately uh, very talented guys. So it's more just kind of Gauthier falls just below them. It's not a knock on him. We love his game. And if he happens to slip to seven, that would be great for the Sens. And if he doesn't, my number one choice would be Joakim Kamel and yours would be Frank Nazar. Why is it Nazar there for you at seven? Yeah, well... Keep in mind, this was a ranking, so uh, I didn't have yep. the sense fully sure. in mind here. For so sure. I, I just think Nazar can bring so much to the table. Like if you get this guy in a good franchise, a good system, and put him in the right spots, he's going to do so much for you. He works so hard. He's someone that when we were doing the prospect profiles for, I just found as I found more information on him. I just liked him more and more and more. I think I started with him at four stars. And when I was done, I was like, got to give him that four and a half because I really <laughs> like this player. And again, no problem with you having Kamel up there too, because Kamel, yeah. he also has that motor. I would say Kamel's got a better shot than Nazar, but he doesn't then, quite. Um, then Nazar's the better playmaker. So it's kind of pick, pick your at- attribute that you want. Exactly. But I think uh, Nazar's ability to score is a little bit ahead of where Kamel's playmaking is. That's where I gave him a bit of an edge here. Fair. Now let's head to the next tier, Pilsy. We're going in to the early teens. But first, I've got Marco Casper there. I just love the compete level. The little ball of hate 2.0. I know Brad mm. Marchand's probably got a trademark request in for that nickname. But that's what Marco Casper brings. I was super impressed that he was able to stick it out in the top league against men in Sweden. 48 games he played or something like that against the top competition, which you can't say for the guys below him on my list in terms of Lekaramaki and Ogren and, and those guys. So when I'm looking at Marco Casper, I look at a guy who not only is pro-ready, but we know the Sens have been trying to like not even draft for position, but draft for roles going forward. And I know that he might not be the sexy pick, although you're hoping if you're drafting him at seven or in this range here in the in the seven to ten area. Because for me, seven, eight, nine was was pretty tight. Like you could you could flip any of those three whichever way you want, and it would be cool with me. But I just love the energy that he brings, and and he will be an NHLer as well, right? Like you're also you got to do the risk versus reward factor. And I think there is some reward here that could be uncovered in terms of the offense he brings. He was awesome in the playoffs this year and down the stretch. But you're also looking at a guy with a very high floor. Yeah, and I'm high on Marco Casper as well. I've got him down at 13. Um, I think top 10 probably won't happen in in the draft, but ranking style I think that's definitely fair because there's a lot to like about that kid. And um, we both have him quite a bit higher than we ranked him in our uh, average ranking. So we definitely saw things we liked, and Casper's going to make a great player one day. 
So what's it about Matt Tavoy, who you have at number nine? Yeah, so Tavoy, just there's so much offensively to like about him. He put up mega points in your neck of the woods in Winnipeg. And Ross, I I boosted Tavoy a little bit after we spoke with Russ Cohen in the mock draft, which you guys have now seen. And he was very high on him, taking him fifth overall when uh, that was his he does a locked on flyer show go check that out for sure and uh, that was their pick for the flyers at five so hearing him talk so highly of him kind of boosted him in my mind and I think that maybe not right away but in a couple years we're going to see a really good player out of Matthew Savoy sure for me he's more risk versus reward on the other side there's more risk that his floor might be like uh quadruple a type player where you're unbelievable the Corey Locke special uh, <laughs> or the uh, Robbie Shrimp that sort of player where they're magicians at the lower levels but can they grind it out at the NHL level I'm not saying he can't and the reward if he can is going to be ridiculous yeah. one of the best skaters in the draft a power play specialist a playmaker a guy who can put the puck in the back of the net as well so lots to like I have Matthew Savoy down at 12 so just like you have Casper at 13th I have Savoy at 12th all right let's bang through the next few here because pavel minchikov left shot defenseman just creative big physical mean pretty much everything you want in a defenseman so we have him at number 10 what is it about lakaramaki for you putting him at 11 the shot i mean what else can you really say about lakaramaki he was he was the finisher on that uh Jir garden line and for a good reason i think his his shot is probably NHL ready now can it can it improve absolutely but I think he's still fooling a lot of really good goaltenders in the NHL with that release of his so it's hard to ignore there's a lot of other things I don't love about his game but at at 11 most of these teams kind of have a little bit more of a well-rounded prospect pipeline and you can be like you know what we've got other spots uh, figured out let's just we're enamored by the shot let's bank on that. All right, let's scroll down a little bit. And again, this is why it's great to be watching on YouTube because as you can tell, we've already gone 13 minutes and we're on pick 12. And <laughs> and uh, we want to do a top 50 here. So we're just going to scroll through a little bit. And um, I think we can we can actually touch on my 13th overall pick because Rucker McGroarty, nice. you've got a lot lower than me. For me, I'm, I'm one of those I can fix you guys when it comes to Rucker McGroarty. It's his skating is just awful. But everything else is so good. So I'm banking on the upside there. Just like for you, it's probably like you're putting aside the size for Matthew Savoy. You're like the rest of his package is so good. For me, I'm doing that with McGroarty, but with his skating. Yeah, and I have no issue uh, with Rucker McGroarty going there. I've I've got him at uh, 17, so just four picks down. And okay. uh, after we talked to uh, Jerome on the mock draft, yeah. They have Rucker McGordy at 11th overall, and he did a yeah. really good job explaining the differences he sees uh, in Rucker versus Cutter Gauthier. So I, I think they're both great players, but uh, there was a couple guys where, uh, again, I guess uh, that's kind of the way I'm tilting. I'm banking on the reward part of the risk rewards. There was a couple other guys I have. If the reward hits, I think it'll uh, really pay off. So that's why I had him a little lower down. So I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions now about your list because we've gone back and forth a few times about comparing, but I want to more so look into this matchup for you in particular. Brad Lambert at 15, Connor Geeky at 16. Why are those two back-to-back and what's the separation? Well, Lambert, the thing is, and uh, he's so interesting, and, and we, we can tell how interesting he is, Ross. He's one of our most viewed prospect profile videos because people are just – you can't get enough info on him. There's so much to love and so much to hate at the same time. But I just think, 
again, we're doing this projecting what players are going to be like in the future. Is he a top 15 pick guy right now? Maybe not, but does he have the skills if yeah. everything works out right to become a top 15, maybe even a top 10 type player? I think so. And I'm talking in terms of draft, not top 10 in a in an NHL overall standpoint, of course. Um, so that's where I was just willing to say, you know what? I saw things I liked. Tony Ferrari mentioned to us he wasn't put in positions to succeed. He was bouncing around a lot. I personally think maybe he entered Liga a little bit too early and could have used a little bit more uh, maturing time in uh, lesser leagues. So I've got high hopes for Lambert. Okay, great explanation. Then with Geeky, it's just the skating for you. It's too much to overcome. Yeah, and just the fact that the NHL, the way it's uh, heading, you need to be a great skater. But don't uh, don't doubt his size and his vision. I think he's a rich man, Logan's Logan Brown. And we, right. when Logan Brown first came to the sense slash system, healthy, Logan yeah, Brown. yeah, exactly. That helps. Uh, that helps for sure. So when Logan I wonder Brown what his dad's came, like. Oh, oh no, can't get into that. We know his brother. Well, hey, we know his brother's good. He's already yeah, playing true. in the NHL. So he's got that Pizza thing. Hut thing too. Apparently, that's a good family. Can't yeah. out Pizza the Hut. You remember that little press conference? Yeah, that, definitely worth the YouTube. Check it out if you're listening now. Yeah. So and then I got Rucker McGordy right after. Yeah. So you just got that, like, I can fix you range here with Lambert, Geeky, McGrady. They've all got a little something there. Now, uh, I've got a bit of a run on left shot defenseman. My order is Matejchuk, then Pickering, then Bichelle, and then Kevin Korczynski. Now, I want to ask you about Korczynski just because I think we're a little lower on him than consensus. Like, why did you drop him as far as you did? Because I believe he's like 12th on our aggregated list. Yeah, let me find him in our. You said twelfth on. Our I think so. List. He's top fifteen for sure. So we've definitely moved him down from there. It's funny we've oh, both 14. got fourteen. Perfect. There you go. So here's why I, I really moved him down. And when we recorded the mock draft with uh, Derek Lee, we chose him for the Anaheim Ducks, and that was uh, I think a week or two uh, before we posted. So we hadn't d- dove deep into other the other left shot defensemen yet. So I think I would change my opinion on him based on that. Um, but the reason I have him so down is EP mentioned that he's one of the worst on puck defenders in the draft. He's not able to engage with attackers well. And they even one of their scouting reports, Ross, said that he's a complete liability on defense. Yeah. When you're a defenseman and you're getting quoted as being a complete liability on defense, there's a lot to work on there. So I think there's some raw talent with his offensive ability. I'm not doubting that, but... I, I kind of see him being just the offensive guy in a third pair and quarterbacking a second power play unit uh, as his top projection. Yeah, interesting. As we continue down here, we'll take a quick break. Let Pilsy say a word from one of our favorite sponsors and then get right back to the countdown right here on Locked on Senators. All right, Pilsy, back to the rankings we go and I just want to ask you, we'll, we'll put up each screen and I just want you to point out one or two players on your rankings that you want to highlight and why they're either higher than the consensus or lower. Okay, uh, so we're, I'm looking at my list specifically? Yeah, or you can ask me questions about mine. I think that's a good way to do it here as we wrap up. And if you want our full list, We'll post them on our Twitter. And when we post this episode, again, it's the day before the draft now. Uh, as you can tell, I'm on vacation. So we're recording this a little bit earlier on. Um, yeah, but the tan gonna... skin isn't in there for Ross Levitan. So you can <laughs> tell this is before his uh, Greek no, trip. Not yet. But if you're listening, I'm going to do my best to be on the show tomorrow. It feels so weird to say that. But for the draft, after the game, 
or after the game, after the draft yeah. initial reaction, I'm hoping that the internet will hold up for me to do that. But because let, let's spend the next five or so minutes asking questions about each other's list. Again, we'll post our full list on Twitter so you can go check them out there. Maybe we'll put, we'll pin a comment on YouTube as well with each of our full lists so people can go and, and easily see them all in one spot. But for me, I'll start, I guess, asking you here. Um, Danny Jilkin is the guy I completely left off my top 50. Yes. And you have me at 31. And that's probably closer to consensus than me. So maybe you can put it right back in my face and say, no, why the hell don't you have him on yours? But what what is it about Jokin that you like other than being a Guelph Storm? Yeah, again, I, I will fully come clean with um, my bias, that's for sure. I'm just trying to uh, find his profile here as uh, our lists are all over the place. But I, I can tell you off uh, off the top of my head, a big reason why I like Danny Jokin is his ability. Oh, I've got it here. His ability to play with really good players. He was on a line with Sa- Sasha Pasajov. And they just dominated together. He started off the season with 15 points in 16 games. So, like, just go watch his highlights. His highlights are absolutely nasty. There's so much um, success that he can have offensively. He's good in the face-off dot. I just think he's a safe pick with extra upside. He had 55 points in 66 games. So, pretty solid production. I'm a fan of Danny Jokin. Nice. All right. I will allow that. Do you want to ask me about my 28th overall pick or what? No, I don't. I, I want to first, a guy that I had completely left off my list and kind of forgot and had to make an adjustment. Gleb Trikizov. Tell me yes. why you got him all the way at 25. Yes. Well, if you had asked me at the start of the season, and this is kind of quoting Jerome Barube as well, but this guy just was a complete no-show at the start of the year. Yeah. And we think he's going to fall because some teams would have just thrown his uh, his profile right out in the garbage. But the way he competed in the second half of the season, becoming almost a point-per-game player at the level he was. Now, he could be a Kirill Kaprizov type where you lose him in Mother Russia for the next four or five years. But eventually, if and when he comes over, he's going to be a stud like that. That's just, I'm sold on him as just a super high skilled player and a guy who, if you're a team, maybe that's in a rebuild right now, like imagine, imagine Arizona gets him at 31 with Colorado's pick. They already have two first round picks. They can just stash him away. And then when they start getting good, you bring him in on a two year entry level contract and you're like, okay, now we're paying a guy 925 and he's in our top six. So I think he could be a guy where patience pays off because the shot is elite. The compete level really picked up, and he's great at finding his teammates. So I think that there's a lot of skill here with Gleb Trikazov. Yeah, I think there's some skill with him for sure. The big reason why I had him a lot lower is the fact that I'm not so sure how uh, well his development is going to go in Russia with the way they develop guys. And he spent a lot of his time in the MHL. So that's like Mm -hmm. the CHL of Russia, which is a a much lesser uh, talent version of the CHL. Um, Hopefully Mother Russia is not tuning in to hear me say that. But that's where I was a little bit uh, down on him is he they gave him a sniff in the VHL, I believe, 11 games and it didn't work out. Yeah. So I'm kind of iffy if I agree, stash him away, but how long is it going to take? Yeah, no, that's that's very fair. Now, I was lower on Philip Mashar too. I just think that at his size for the style he plays, to me, he's like at best a third line guy. I just don't see a whole lot of upside. Yeah, and that's fair. I, I The reason I have him so high is he's just such a good player transitionally. So yeah. I think, and when you're in the 
when you're in this range, like teams, they're looking for third line players sometimes that they know can uh, transition the puck up ice and just be safe guys that the coaches can pat on the back and throw out there and not worry about. And I think Philip Meshar is one of those guys. Well, uh, Nathan Gaucher is just that as well. Like he t- to me is, is yep. exactly that as a high floor, low ceiling type player in this draft. Um, all right. As we go, Dan, you're high on uh, Ty Nelson. Anyone who's been following this coverage. Wait, we got to give you a chance to pop off on Lane Hudson. You got him going in the first round. Short King season. Yes, yes. And you know that usually I'm like a a big stand of having the lumbering defenseman back there who can have elite cross checks in front of the net, as Pierre Dorian would say. No, but in all honesty, uh, for me, this guy, he just, the way he plays is just, unbelievable it's like a point guard out there is a guy who like breaks ankles he shakes shimmies he spins around like i'm excited to see his development and if he can somehow get to 510 or 511 and not lose the step and the dynamicism is that a word <laughs> i usually challenge you on words like that but you're usually right so i'll give you the benefit of the doubt there dynamicism mm, i don't know somebody can look that up and tell me how dumb i sound but i like it he's got dynamic qualities for those who, who want real English on this show, there you go. But I think that, and I mean, right shot too. That's a nice little premium uh, add-on. And I know you're high on Ty Nelson, although he's a, a lot bulkier, but still short king season for him too. But yeah, with Lane Hudson, I just think that the way he defends, he's been doing it his whole life. Like he gets under guys and he tries to pick pucks. Not saying he's going to be Shea Weber out there or even, you know, like a Ryan Ellis, who's, who's I would say Ty Nelson is probably closer to Ryan yeah. Ellis, like yep. short but stocky. Good offensive, but for Lane Hudson, he'll probably defend more like Eric Carlson and Sens fans. Some of them might cringe, but he was always good at like a good stick lift at the right time, pivoting on defense and not allowing easy lanes to the front of the net. It was just when he was battling out front one on one that guys would just spin off him and tap it in. And then it can look bad. He can be on the wrong end of highlight reels, but if Lane Hudson makes the NHL, and I, I think he will, he's going to be on the right end of a lot more of those plays then he's going to be on the wrong one. And Ross, this is the first time where we're flipping now, whereas I'm not I'm not so sure on the reward side. I'm a little bit more worried about yeah. the risk side because I see a lot of Eric Branson qualities in Lane Hudson. Like when... Eric Branson was never this dynamic. Though. Dude, remember him in Belleville mm, and the highlights yeah. of him before? Like when he was in the stages that Lane Hudson was at, he was... The dynamism was off the charts for him. Um, like it was the Pierre Dorian, it was his proudest day as a GM acquiring him. Like at that time where this development is at, Eric Branson was very similar. So for Lane Hudson, the early years of his pro career are going to define whether he gets stuck at where Branson's at or whether he can break through. So that's where it's going to be interesting to see. 100%. All right, let's keep rolling down here. Anybody that you want to talk about here or we can start getting into our our missions here as well if well, you Well, if you scroll if just scroll back up a little bit, uh you had Maverick Lamaru on your list. Yes. I left him off my list. Look, when you're an absolute beast like that, a right shot defenseman and you know what? I think for his size, he's he's an okay skater. How many six, seven skaters do we have to really measure up to? There's not a lot of them. So I think he does all right. But the thing for me is he's just too raw of a talent. Like I, I don't really know how long it's going to take for him to figure it all out for his brain to grow into his body. And I really project him at best as a third pair defenseman. So I I don't have him that high. I think there's going to be teams that are going to love Oh, he's going to go in the first round. It's very it's very possible, very likely. But for me, what I saw 
there was more red flags than there were uh, kind of hopeful eyes. Well, remember what David St. Louis said about him, right? He was a better offensive player and a better shorter. defensive player before his growth spurt. Yes, so I think he's a guy you just have to respect that it's hard to be six foot seven. Yep. And especially that late. Like, it's not like he was always the tallest guy. He was like six two. I mean, at 16, that's still a big guy, but you don't expect to then be 6'7 all of a sudden. So for me, I'm willing to be patient as a project. Again, I I feel like we talk about Arizona on this show all the time with their cap flexibility and the fact that they have seven picks in the first two rounds. They're basically an expansion team. Like, it's a clean slate and start over for them. Yeah, 100%. So for me, Maverick Lamoureux could be a good fit somewhere again where maybe Arizona isn't the best development system, but you need to get him in somewhere that would make sense. You know what I mean? Like he can't, if he goes to the wrong place, it's going to be lookout bust season. But I also think that with the right massaging of his abilities, I think he's going to be a player. And again, even if he's a bottom pair guy, that's why at 40th overall, like you want NHLers at this point in this, in this level of draft. Yep. All right, so yeah, you didn't have him in on your list at all, and that was a good explanation nope. as to why. Um, Sam Renzel, you didn't have on your list. I just think that the raw tools, kind of like Lamoureux, a big defenseman with great, great skating. I, I think he deserves to be a top 50 pick, but you don't. Yeah, I'm trying. I, I remember looking at him. Okay, I've got his profile here. He's he's very young, so that like he's one of the youngest players. He's got a lot of great size. He's a Minnesota guy. There's there's some things I like about him, but I just oh yeah this this is where it really changed me. I put in my uh, notes. I feel like Rinzel is what the Sens wanted Ben Roger to be. So that's where <laughs> the the risk really kind of jumped out at me, and I was like, oh man, I don't know if uh, I'd be willing to go down that path again. So and there's still time. There's still time for Ben Roger. I'm not counting him out yet, but I just felt at at that point in the draft and at this point in our rankings, there's much more better value to be had. That's fair. That's fair. For me, it's a big swing, again, from a team. And and this is the area in the draft, probably from like 35 until 50, where I'm just looking for big swings mostly. And like Noah Warren's another one, a guy we didn't even profile. We should have. But Noah Warren is is going to be a stud, I think. Big six foot five right shot, but also can move the puck really well. So, man, we did it. This was extremely long. Now, I, the way I want to end it off here, because one of the the last players we had in our rankings, Pilsy, we both found a way to sneak in to the top fifty. Paul Ludwinski. I would love if the Senators found a way to make him a part of the team. I, I think he's going to be an NHLer for sure. Yeah, I agree, and he was. Uh... He was one of the first people we profiled actually on our very first day. He was uh, one of those guys. And so he was 58th or 59th? We got him at 61. 61. We did 64, nice. right? Um, oh, right, right, right. And right. the thing I really like about Ludwinski is he was playing on a line with Wright and a Chromiak to start. But then they said, you know what? We're going to move you down to second line and uh, center. And he did a great job without those big star players. And when we talked about Ludwinski, a lot of uh, Sens fans and Kingston Frontenacs fans commented on the video yes. being like, 
he was the best player for them during the playoffs, like miles yeah. ahead of Shane Wright, which is crazy Whoa. to think of. So, yeah, look, we got you got your 50th ranked player, and people said he was way better than our top-ranked player. I mean, small sample size. And, uh, real shame. Real shame if that happens in real life. Real yeah, shame. we'd be real upset. About Who's it. your honorable mention, man? I'm, I'm at the edge of my seat here. That blank white is killing me. Yeah, um, well... How about we do this for the people? And I like that you snuck Dylan James in there from North Dakota. I've probably got him at like 55. So if the Sens take 62 on him, I'm happy. But when David St. Louis simply had no idea who he was, that worried me. Yeah, that was was not good. (laughs) One sec. Let me um, have an honorable mention here. All good. I'll I'll highlight David Goyette in the meantime. Because he was another guy that people commented on our draft profile and was like, this guy... I mean, he wears number 88, but this guy has more than that in common with Patrick Kane. Like, this guy is just puck on a string, stick handling through everyone all the time. Now, can he, he use his teammates well enough? Probably not, and that's why I've got him at 46 on uh, on mine. Do you, ha- you have him probably in, like, the late 30s, do you? Is he on your list? Goyette, yep, I've got him. Um, let me look quickly here. Because yep, people 38. Were, people I got him at 38. Yeah, yeah people are loving him. All right, uh, you ready for this honorable mention? Process. All right, everyone watching on YouTube, pray Pillsy makes a, a spelling mistake. Stop it. The first goalie Stop to be mentioned it. on our list. It is the He's twin 5'10. brother. We're short king season, Ross. We both highlighted two great short players. F- okay, 5'10, that's one number, Ross. You want to hear some other numbers? How about his J20 national uh, national numbers for Linkaping, the same team his twin brother played on. 28 games played, 1.82 goals against average, 0.92 save percentage, a 21 and 7 record. And then in the playoffs, he kept it going. Eight games played, 1.97, 0.925, and a 6 and 2 record. Like, I wanted to get a goalie on there. Yes, love it. Sorry, I was reading off, so I didn't see you got your mask on there. We're a goalie friendly show, and we can't even get a goalie as an honorable freaking mention. I'm doing it. Hugo Havlid, great name as well. Love it. Let's go. This is ridiculous. And I'm I'm curious. I think I'm going to break my headphones here. They're pretty wide. So I'm just going to talk and not even listen. Oh, my God. Sure? See, I took the yellow one. This is my old one from when I was like nine years old. But I grabbed it because you took the sweet. So I had to mix in a little bit of yellow on there as well. Uh, unbelievable. Hugo Havlid. 51 on your list. Let's go. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would uh, probably go with, um, is it Le- Leonin? Who's the, the other Finnish goalie, the big guy, Le- Leonin? I, I think so. I, I just remember. Yeah, Le- Leonin. It, it was just, it was when I looked and saw they were twin brothers, I was like, oh, like, is this Hugo guy? Like, was he just a target for, uh, for his brother growing up? No, he's actually really good. And I think. You say he's only 5'10", but you see Soros, man. Like, he's proving that small goalies can get it done if they put the work in. So, I'm a believer. Okay. I actually love that. I actually really respect that. Thank you. Pilsy, one of the other reasons I put the helmet on there, it is absolute silly season right now. We're recording this the day that our full first-round mock draft came out. Pilsy, we have gone not knee-deep. We have not gone neck-deep. We have gone up to our ears in draft coverage. Neck and nipple area. That was all time. We got a few comments <laughs> on that. If you missed our mock draft, go check it out. It's uh, it's just a bonus. It's only on YouTube. But enjoy the draft. 
Like I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be somewhere in the Greek islands. Uh, not sure exactly where on that day. I'm on my way to Santorini um, and hoping that I can join Pilsy tomorrow. But Pilsy, enjoy the draft. You're going to be putting out Locked On Nows, right? Yep. Uh, I'm going to be making reaction Locked On Nows for all on our YouTube on our on our YouTube page, guys. Be patient with me while Ross is away. I'm not a social media expert. I am not a graphic designer. So things are going to be a little slower and a little uh, less clean as you're used to. But uh, I'll do my best to get uh, all, the, all the info out for you and uh, keep an eye out for everything. I guess I'm going to have to log into the AdSense Central Twitter account, eh? What, uh, how are we going to do this? I don't know. Are you sure? That's a lot of responsibility. It is. With great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> I think last time I logged in, we were still uh, Send Central making 100%. sense of the Send. So, yeah, <laughs> I believe that. Um, here's what we'll say for sure. Whether or not we do that is up for up for debate. <laughs> Ross is not willing to give the handle over. <laughs> hey, it took a while. He's to like, you're going to ruin my format. Yeah, what the heck? No, it's, um, it's no I will ruin it. it. It's a perfect reason to subscribe to Locked On Senators on YouTube. Yes. And if you click the little bell, ding, 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 you'll get a notification on your YouTube channel when new videos are posted. So do that. Enjoy the draft. I'm going to make a bold prediction. Again, we are recording this on June 26th, Pilsy. Kevin Fiala is either an Ottawa Senator now or will be tomorrow. Oh, I mean, I love that. No, he will. I'm stuck. He already is. What number is what he num- What number is yeah. he? <laughs> <laughs> um, I love it. I'm Wait, s- does that count as me laughing at my own joke, or did you make that joke? No, I laughed along with you this time, too. For bingo. Yeah. We got to know for the bingo. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, get your bingo cards ready. Get your uh, dot markers uh, all inked up, because you can hit bingo a lot of times. He's going to wear number 22, Zaitsev's traded to Arizona. I'm down for that. I, d- I think Fiala is going to New Jersey. I just think it makes too much sense. So I'm, uh, I've am i started to look elsewhere. You know what? I, I'll, you want to get silly? Give me a bold prediction. Yeah, get, yeah let's season. do it. Bold prediction. Josh Norris, long-term contract, inked very shortly after happened? the draft. Very oh, shortly after. after the draft. Yeah. Pierre, Pierre Be- Dorian, he's got Before free focus. agency? Yeah, before free agency. Yeah, because because okay. they they got to decide how much money to give Giroux. So they're going to get Norris done, and then they'll work on Giroux. All right, silly season is officially here. Hey, enjoy the draft, everyone, for real. Thank you so much for sticking it out with us through this lull of Senators activity on ice in the front office. There hasn't been much player movement at all, but you guys have stuck it out with us, and the numbers are actually going up. So you love the draft coverage. We love providing it, and thank you so much for making us your first listen through this entire process. We're not going anywhere. We've got the live show coming up tomorrow with Pilsy and hopefully me as well. Then Friday and then boom, on Monday, I will be back in the saddle for episode 599, Pilsy. I'm coming back just in time to hit 600 with you as well. So what what else? Anything else here before we go? Next time you talk to these people, the first round of the draft will be over. Uh, I, I will tell all Sens fans... Screenshot, take note of all the haters that say the 2022 draft was the worst draft the Ottawa Senators could possibly have. All those F grades that yeah. they receive online. Just keep that in mind three to five years down the road. That's all I'll yeah, say. Bo- bookmarks are fun mm-hmm. on Twitter, especially come draft time. So that is a great And part don't of the comment on draft tweets. Yes. Just don't do it. We've seen the receipts are ugly. 
Yes. Don't do it. Do not, or else Mo Sider might read them. That was wildly awesome. And I hope they do that for Brady Kachuk one day yeah. as well. Just never have a, a take in cement that's negative on draft night. Yep. Pump players up. It's the greatest day yeah, of their on, 18 years Let's go. on planet Earth. So positivity or curiosity is good. Like, oh, I'm not sure he can do this. Just Don't say he stucks. Don't say he can't do this. Say I'm not sure if he can. All right? That's a little That's a little tip from your friends right here at Send Central. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day.